Hey guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy. What a week this week, weather-wise, in Dubai, UAE. Our roads are full of water and our skies are full of rain. I spent the week in uh, Augustus' office in Egypt and one of the things about that market at the moment is how the Egyptian pound has been devalued so much over the last few years and particularly of late against the dollar. And it made me think of how different every country is in terms of uh, finance and regulation and taxes and all the different benefits and uh, challenges that uh, it comes to when you're thinking about cross-border business and operations and today's guest was perfect for that uh, so you know often we have uh, experienced people who set up their offices in Dubai who've had very established careers in other markets and uh, uh, they choose to uh, live here and they choose to set up a business here and they bring really unique solutions and today's guest is one such for the financial services uh, and advisory elements so enjoy the conversation. Uh, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. So tell us a little bit about the group. Well the group, I started the group in 2000 in Switzerland with the idea of tailoring tax-compliant wealth protection plans for international wealthy families. Now remember, 2000 was kind of the medieval, the dark times. Uh, nobody was interested in transparency, in tax compliance. So when I enthusiastically presented my idea, everybody thought it was completely off. The world has changed completely. Um, we are today absolutely in trendy or in trend with what we're doing. Everybody needs tax compliant wealth protection plans. Amazing. And is that your background? You're from Switzerland and were you in the, obviously we know Switzerland has been a financial haven and somewhere that, you know, there's well-renowned global institutions there. So is everyone in Switzerland in the financial industry? <laughs> it sounds like, no, look, I grew up on a farm. Um, was a professional horse rider, an athlete at a time, became a young lawyer, and then got into the financial industry. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's very big and important, the financial industry in Switzerland. And so your background, in uh, what sort of led you to spotting this opportunity and to sort of making this a business opportunity <laughs> yourself? It's very interesting. So yeah, it's not natural that as a young lawyer, you would actually jump into the financial industry. The reason was actually money. I needed to earn money because uh, right when I finished university, uh, my future wife then was pregnant and um, she was also a professional horse rider and to afford all the horses you're from ireland you can appreciate that uh, you need to make much more money than a young lawyer could make and so i decided to get into the financial industry worked for commission and financially it worked out very well but then the marriage fell apart because i had to i didn't have enough time to ride horses anymore <laughs> her love was horses and you you've were kind of taken in by the financial world that is in switzerland yes and i worked for the first swiss-based u.s registered investment advisor which at that time was very special because nobody was concerned about cross-border regulations etc 
or uh, thinking about being regulated in a different country. And I worked for the first Swiss-based registered investment advisor and we tailored these tax-compliant and SEC-compliant solutions for Americans to invest abroad. Mm. So then when I started my own group a few years later, that was actually um, my foundation for what I then wanted to do. And so the group, is it at still an advisory firm? And what are your core services? Okay, very good question. So yes, um, what makes us special is we, we have all the tools available, right? The traditional tools for wealth protection would be trusts, companies, foundations, maybe funds, etc. But we decided from the beginning to focus and use insurance in the center of our planning. So we use all the tools, but insurance in, is in the center. And the reason why we use insurance is because it, it happens to be the most rounded, most complete wealth protection tool that you can find. It provides privacy, asset protection by law. It is growing tax preferred in almost all the countries in the world. It allows you estate planning and it gives you additional liquidity when somebody dies. Now, from an um, exception point of view, in most countries, insurance is the best tool you can find as well. Why? Because the insurance industry is, the, uh, is, is a very strong lobby. It is the biggest investor in government bonds. Uh, it's a very political topic, protect, protected by politicians. It's about retirement, family protection, etc. And so because you have a very strong industry in every country, the insurance industry and our topic is protected in the countries. If you look at other solutions like trusts, the trustees or the trusts are often the enemy from abroad when it comes to tax authorities. Mm. So uh, we Can really you explain that, that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So if, if I mean... A trust is the most commonly used um, estate planning tool in the world. So mm. everybody with money thinks, now I have to get structure, so I need a trust. And but in a family the, trust, so yeah, family trust, so I don't lose it after I die, someone else takes it. Yeah, so that's where I say, okay, if I happen to pass away, or when I pass away, then there should be a trustee that takes care of my assets, make sure over generations that my family will be well, and, uh, and uh, that can go on, as I said, for, for generations. But the problem is that the jurisdictions for trusts are often um, on some offshore islands or some, um, yeah, just offshore jurisdictions. And for example, civil law does not know the trusts. It's a common law instrument. And so very often that creates a lot of conflict in civil law countries. Also from a tax point of view, in the, let's say, the dark times I mentioned at the beginning, where there was no transparency, no reporting, etc., the trust was also used to hide money. Hmm. In today's world, that's over. So a trust is known, there's information exchange, all these things, um, and the trust is looked through normally from a tax point of view. But it's a fantastic estate planning tool. Now, because of the past and because of how it was used in the past to basically also hide money, um, in many countries it doesn't have the best reputation. And if you see what happens in the world, so tax authorities all, only now become aware of assets um, their people have abroad. 
um, their citizens or, or yeah, because of international information exchange, etc. I mean, since I started in 2000, we had a lot of things that happened. We had, um, first we had 9-11 in 2001, which was actually the beginning of the crackdown of privacy, uh, of in banking secrecy and so on. Mm. And then we had the financial crisis 2007 and 8, and that was actually the kickoff for the Americans pulling down the international banking secrecy all over the world. And mm. then information exchange came, FATCA came, etc. And then one tax authority after the other became aware of assets and structures that have been used abroad. And that's where the trust was, of course, the first one popping up. Today, I think it's still a fantastic tool if you use it the right way. But as I said, insurance, standalone or in combination with a trust is much more powerful. Okay, and how do you, I really want to ask a little bit more about Switzerland and, you know, how that's viewed, but just to delve into the, the services of, say, if we focus on insurance, yeah. uh, how does that look like if one was to approach you yeah. uh, and how do you operate? Yeah. yeah, so insurance is often very misleading because many people don't like insurance and that includes myself, right? Fire insurance, whatever insurance, it's just uh, administration, costly, etc. But what we do is really we look at what people need. And, of course, every family is different. The family situation is different. The country where they come from is different. You're from Ireland. I'm from Switzerland. I met my wife in Ireland, by the way, but she's originally Romanian. <laughs> now we live in Dubai. So it's a very international context, and that makes it very complex. But at the end, I came to understand that every family has the same five needs. So first thing is protection of privacy. In many countries, it's a, a necessity to protect your privacy. You have to make sure not everybody knows what you own, otherwise your family members are in danger. Then in a transparent world with information exchange, you need asset protection. So if everybody can see what you have, you need to protect your assets with a layer of legal protection. Um, in the past, you know, I said, I don't need asset protection. My money is in Switzerland, it's in the Bahamas. So if nobody knows about it, I don't need to protect it. But that's significantly, significantly different nowadays. And then uh, after asset protection, we have the tax, which is a huge problem. Even now sitting in Dubai, where we have the benefit of not paying any income tax, we still pay tax. So as soon as you invest your money in, let's say, American stocks, Microsoft, you get dividends, well, there's a withholding tax that you pay. Mm. And because we are in a low tax jurisdiction, there is no double taxation agreement between the US and Dubai, and therefore we cannot reclaim part or reduce the withholding tax. And so planning is needed to improve that situation, to increase your net returns, etc. Or again, American securities, if I own Microsoft and I die, then there is U.S. estate tax on it. Imagine everything mm. exceeding 60,000 U.S. dollars, even though I'm not an American taxpayer. Just because I own an American stock, there is U.S. estate tax on it. And it's our job then to help the families um, cut off the beneficial ownership from that asset so that there will not be any estate tax in the U.S. Next thing is estate planning. So. If I happen to die, very complex situation. Is it Sharia law that applies? Is it Swiss law that applies? Romanian? What, what is it? And I have five children, so it's a complex situation. And I saw that only in Switzerland a few years ago when my mother died. She was in Italy, and she had an account in Italy. And 
Switzerland and Italy are neighboring countries. So it took us two years to get hold of that money just because of formal processes. And this can be very difficult for a family, right? When the provider dies, liquidity is needed, immediate access to income, control over assets, etc. And that's often not the case. And so that's why it's very important to help people plan the right way. Mm. Uh, the last thing is you need enough liquidity when somebody dies. And that's true for the wealthiest families in the, in the world. Often, most of their wealth is in real estate or in businesses. So it's tied up. Let's say you have a, a house in, in, in the UK and you die. There's immediate estate tax on it. Mm. And the, the heirs cannot sell the house and then pay the tax. They have to pay the tax. And if they still want to sell, they can sell. But there has to be enough liquidity for that. Or one child should take over the business. The other one you would like to treat equally needs liquidity, needs to be compensated. So all these things we can cover with insurance. And how? You transfer your assets to an insurance company. In exchange, you receive an investment-linked insurance policy, which we can tailor according to the country, the tax law where the client lives. We do this for all 50 countries worldwide. Um, so this is a unique product that your group offers, or is it common product? What's the difference between what you've just described and regular life insurance? <laughs> no, it's a very good question. So the unique thing about what we're doing is we're tailoring life insurance policies, which are the traditional product, product is an investment-linked or a unit-linked life insurance policy. Now, this has been developed further by us, by different insurance companies. We're working with 55 insurance companies in 15 different jurisdictions. They are our factories. And what we do is we look at the client, we look at all the needs we discussed, and we look at how do we have to tailor the product with that insurance company in that specific jurisdiction so the client gets the best solution. So just to explain quickly, so the assets now, when I transfer them to the insurance company, are owned by the insurance company, beneficially owned. That's very different from a trust. I will always show up as the beneficial owner of the underlying assets. I, in exchange, get an insurance policy with a cash value, and the cash value is equal to the value of the underlying investments. Mm -hmm. This gives me asset protection because I own an insurance policy and because insurance is favorably treated in most countries, an insurance policy cannot be seized or not included in bankruptcy. So if I go bankrupt as an entrepreneur, this is still protected by law. If government decides to sue me or whatever, for, uh, uh, or, or a, a competitor tries to sue me, this cannot be seized. It's protected. The assets within the insurance are also protected because even though they are on balance sheet of the insurance company, they are segregated in case of bankruptcy of the insurer. Mm. The next thing is tax. As I mentioned, all the growth on the assets happens in the name of the insurance company, uh, dividends, etc. That all depends on the insurance company, on the jurisdiction of the insurance company. And therefore, it doesn't trigger any tax for me. I'm owning an insurance policy, and that can grow in most countries without paying tax. Oh, wow. And then estate planning, I can just appoint beneficiaries. So in my situation, I can give everything to my wife, no matter what law says. There is no question which law applies. It will go directly to her or to my children or to my second family if I had one, etc. So it's a fantastic estate planning tool. And now the real life insurance kicks in at the end the liquidity. 
So if I need to make sure there is more liquidity than I already have when I die, if that's needed, then I can add life insurance, real life insurance. Mm. And that would can go up to 100 million if needed uh, to create extra liquidity. You're doing a good job at it, making it sound simple, but I'm sure it's more complicated. You know, uh, some of, lots of investments are fluid. Does that mean that the insurance uh, package needs to be constantly updated? It's a very good question. So, look, on the investment side, we have such a great flexibility. So the, the old or the traditional or, let's say, the retail solution would give an investor um, uh, access to a few funds. That's it. But in our world, we can wrap in every managed portfolio. If you want to work with one of the private banks, they can manage that policy account. It will not be your account, it will be the account of the insurance company. Mm. But you're benefiting because the value of your policy is equal to the value uh, of the underlying account. Mm. And you can choose the investment strategy, the manager, etc. But that's not where it ends. You can even put in your family businesses, so holding companies. Um, we could even hold airplanes or yachts in it for really wealthy families. And you immediately see when you read the news that, that many of the assets are exposed, especially here in Dubai. So many people leave their country, they come here, and their assets have to stay where they are, their factories, their businesses, their real estate, and automatically become a target. Now, if we can put that into an insurance policy, the insurance company becomes the new owner, the clients control everything through the policy. It's, okay. It can become quite complex. Okay, we'll touch a little bit more about Dubai, but I want to go back one step because it's not often that we have someone with financial expertise from Switzerland on the show. So, you know, can you just explain a little bit more about why Switzerland is so associated with wealth protection and privacy? What, what is it about Switzerland, uh, you know, with respect to, say, tax that you've mentioned? Why do so many wealthy people have wealth managers and some of the most famous financial institutions in the world are from Switzerland? What's the simple answer? <laughs> hmm. um, you, you remember the name of my company, 1291. There is a reason, and it's connected to your, uh, to your question or to the answer to your question. So in 1291, dark times in Europe, the end of the old Roman Empire, anarchy. Everybody took whatever they wanted, etc. And then, I think in England it was similar with the Magna Carta, it was more or less that time. But then... Three cities in Switzerland got together and they said, that's it. We can't take it any longer. We need laws that protect our families and our wealth. And that was the foundation and the beginning of Switzerland. And on, this, on these values, basically, Switzerland then was built. And uh, our constitution, our laws, etc., were always respecting these values and I think that's the most important thing that's how then Switzerland also I mean you know it was a poor country in the in the in the medieval um, or a, a poor region it was not a, not a country by itself yet and they had to be inventive and uh, so I think they did a great job also what what's typical for Swiss they're very reliable uh, so if we say be here at eight we're going to be here two minutes before mm. just to be precise so I think being reliable and having in your mentality that you want to protect wealth and families, 
that's why Switzerland became what it what it is. That's a brilliant. I'm glad I asked. It's an amazing name. Our our company is named after Emperor Augustus, so that's sort of Roman link. <laughs> when your company comes after us in the historical uh, scheme of things, but you know that's amazing. Uh, but so a little bit further from that, then uh, you were advised when you set up the group. You mentioned sort of. Uh, you know, providing solutions to American people, it, would that be in Switzerland? And w were there different tools that you used then, or was it always insurance? It's, uh, again, a great question. See, in, in 2000, nobody cared about tax. Nobody cared about asset protection, as I said, but also nobody cared about cross-border regulations. In today's world, it's completely different. So today we're licensed in 36 different countries. So when I set up in Switzerland, of course, naturally, I set up in Zurich. Uh, immediately, we looked then at getting a license in the US because we also knew that we would advise American clients. And then through uh, 2006, seven, when European laws started to be applied more stringently, we went to Liechtenstein, which is part of the EEA. And then we got a license, a cross-border license all over Europe. Mm. Um, and, and that's how the world actually continued to develop. And, and, and I originally didn't want to have a big business. I wanted to have a small business out of Switzerland, have a good life, no employees, no problems. But then it started getting boring. And, and as we went and I, I met good people to join me and good partners, we decided to grow and to expand. And um, in this, uh, right after 2010, where we were located in Europe, in different places, also in the UK, we decided to go to Asia, which I think was a fantastic move because regulation, transparency expanded also to Asia. And then uh, after Asia, now we decided to also come to the Middle East because all these topics have not been a topic here in the Middle East, especially tax, but now it's coming and that's why I think it's time for us to be here also. Fascinating. Um, so when you decide to do market entry, you mentioned licenses. Is that the first port of call? Or now you know that you're here in Dubai, do you always go to the place first to establish it? Very important in today's world, regulation is so key, it can kill your business right away. And so Dubai is a very good example. We decided two years ago, exactly two years ago, that we would now want to come to the Middle East. We already had a small office in, uh, in the DMCC just to understand the market, etc. And then when we decided now we're going to come, we knew we had to go to the DIFC. Mm. So we applied for a license in the DIFC and it was quite a complex um, project. It took us almost a year. Uh, I think the difficulty was mainly because we were already in many countries and we already were regulated and supervised by many different um, regulators. And so the DIFC did a very, very, or the DFSA did a very diligent, due diligence. Mm. They talked to different authorities and so on and, and uh, wanted to make sure that we know what we're doing. That's actually reassuring. In some cases, you know, on this podcast, you know, the message might go out that it's really fast to set up a business in Dubai. But when we're talking about something so important, like in finance and regulation, you know, there's a reputation in this region of, uh, maybe not being as diligent with where money comes from and things like that. But to hear that the DIFC uh, is so stringent on what licenses they're giving out is actually a good thing that it takes a little bit longer. I completely agree. So I'm a real fan of regulation. 
of course it has helped us on our way because people then needed our solutions but um, a very strong supervision with strict regulations leads to a strong industry goes back to your question regarding Switzerland. Mm. We have a very strict regulation and supervision since many, many years. But I really did not expect to find this here as well when we came to Dubai. And I was very impressed. And again, not one single regulator, and I told you we are licensed in 36 countries, has done such a strict due diligence as the DFSA. And I find that very reassuring. Wow. And what were you getting licensed for? Yes. So... Because we're using insurance in the center of our license, in the center of our planning, um, we, depending on the country where we are, we get a different license. So we may be a, a registered investment advisor in certain countries um, uh, or, or have a wealth planning or, or um, a different license. But in many countries, we have an insurance broker license. And also here in Dubai, because we're using insurance, in the center, we have a, a, a category four license, including long-term insurance, which qualifies us as an insurance broker. Okay, so it's a it's a added layer that of advisory. You're actually regulated brokerage as well. Yes. And Mark, did you then is everything based here now? Is this is this the headquarters of the group? Ah, because I moved here. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, I, it's a very good question. No, so the head office is in Switzerland, and. It would be natural for us to send somebody here to build up Dubai, but that actually shows you how important we think the Middle East is, besides the fact that I was a bit bored being the chairman in Switzerland and thought it was interesting to come here. I really believe this has a huge potential. You see, there is currently there is a migration of the wealthy happening, um, and they're going everywhere. They're going from Latin American countries, from Asian countries, and they're looking for safe spots. Dubai is a safe spot, politically safe. Um, I'm very impressed how, how this is being run, this country. Um, it's a good place to come here, be here with your family, bring your wealth here. Um, and so we decided to come here. I decided to come here. I'm pushing off the, the start here in, of our Dubai entity. And then I think we'll even go, go further. We might go to Abu Dhabi and see what else we can do in the region. Okay, fascinating. And can you just explain a little bit about that? You know, we often hear in the news, you know, that obviously Dubai is a safe place. And since the pandemic, they responded quite well. You know, we see there's wealth coming from countries that are going through difficult times, uh, both politically and financially. And, uh, and that's sort of obvious. But the less obvious is what you just described is that, you know, wealthy professionals in uh, respect, you know, in, in first world countries like in Europe and places like that. I read something this morning that uh, people in Norway are leaving, wealthy people are leaving Norway and things like that. And these are, these are countries that are top places to live in the world for government support and things like that. Is it purely, is it related to your offering? Is it purely a, a tax reason? Are people sort of being squeezed so much elsewhere that they, they need to find somewhere else? Or are there more factors driving this migration? <laughs> I think that's a very good question. And you're right, it's not only people coming from third world or second world countries, it's first world uh, people are moving here, including myself, right? Mm. Um, I think tax can be an issue, but I think it's many other things. Tax is never, in my, in my experience, never the key driver for a wealthy family to move. Because you know, you have to do it the right way. You really have to 
cut your ties. In Germany, you're not even allowed to own real estate if you want to um, leave the country and not be, be a tax resident anymore. Oh. So you really have to leave everything. If you have a business, you have to leave that as well and so on. And, and most of the European countries are that, uh, like that. They don't make it easy for you. So these people really make a decision. They move their family, they move parts of their business if they can, um, maybe sell real estate or restructure it or pass it on, etc. So it's a, it's a big thing. Why do they do that? Um, I think just the development of many European countries is going the wrong way. I just had a discussion the other day with somebody about what is the right um, way to run a country. Is it democracy? And I'm coming from a direct democracy from Switzerland where I should think it's the best um, concept in the world. But I'm here now and, and think, well, having a good ruler is probably even better. Mm. Why? Because um, if you look in Switzerland even, but, or in France, there's so many um, negative influences. In Sweden now, in Stockholm, I just read the other day, they, from all the em immigrants they had, now, the police does not dare to go in certain areas of the city because it's too dangerous. Mm. You have that in many, in, in many countries in Europe. You have it in Germany, you have it in France, etc. So safety is becoming an issue. Even in Switzerland today, if I leave my bicycle somewhere, I mean, I grew up in a house with no keys. Um, I still don't lock my car, never. But if I park my bicycle in, in, in Zurich at the, at the train station, I'm sure it's no longer going to be there when I come back hmm. unless I put a lock on it. That was not the case. So safety um, and tax is for sure also a big thing. And Mark, so when you're advising people, they come to you not necessarily just looking for an insurance uh, uh, recommendation, but they're actually asking about their wealth and they're asking about wealth management. Uh, you know, how much of that, you know, how much of that is... How do I phrase this without sort of accusing people of anything? But how much of that is seeking advice to sort of do things like you just mentioned about Germany? You know, there's many, there's tax avoidance everywhere, right? Whether it's good or bad, but people are trying to find the loopholes and find the systems that how many days they can be in a country, how many days they can be out of the country. How, how much of your expertise needs to know all these things across the countries? Or does that come into it at all? No, this comes in... Um quite strongly, I would say. Um, but again, I don't think the key driver for most people is tax. There's, there are other reasons why people are leaving safety. Hmm. In many countries, safety is a huge uh, uh, reason for people to, to leave. But then, of course, tax becomes a, a, an issue as well. I mean, if they're taking 50 or 60% of your assets when you die, that's a big topic. In many countries, when the father dies or the mother dies, the owner of a, uh, a business, the beneficiaries or heirs cannot afford to keep it. They have to sell it because they have to pay the tax and so on. So yes, tax and our, the knowledge about tax is very important for us. Um, and of course, we try to set up the clients in a way that they comply um, mostly with multi-jurisdictional taxation. You know, so many families have kids in the UK or in the US. So immediately you have a multi-jurisdictional setup or then they move from one country to the other. Take football players, take Ronaldo, for example, right? I mean, 
Portuguese guy, then lived in the UK, uh, lived in, in Spain, back to the UK, and now he's going somewhere else. But tax was always a, a very difficult topic, and his advisors often were not, um, not, uh, not trained enough or not aware of the topic. But, so this is one of the big things that we're doing. Yeah. It must be super complicated, yeah, with people like that who generate income from many countries. So talking a little bit about Dubai, firstly, you know, obviously you see the opportunity in the market for your business and, and there's the safety as well. But are you, once you got here two years ago, uh, what was your impressions and how has it panned out in terms of life and business? From, from, a, from a business point of view, I believe it's extremely refreshing. Okay, more regulation than I thought, which is good. We already discussed that. But the hunger for business, everybody comes here to do business. Mm. And you know, in Zurich, if you want to go for lunch with somebody to discuss business, well, maybe next quarter, you know, because right now they're busy administering things or, or, or doing whatever. They're not hungry anymore. But here, everybody is hungry. So I find it very refreshing. Um, the style is a bit different than in Europe or in Switzerland. In Switzerland, it's a very, uh, if there is competition, it's a very elegant competition. Here, I think it's very straightforward and um, some have knives on their elbows, I would say. <laughs> uh, but, but, but that's fine. Um, from a living point of view with my family, I, this is a fantastic time right now. The season is great. I mean... Mm. 23, 24 degrees, so that's beautiful. We're going to the beach, uh, we're doing bicycle rides. Mm. There's a lot we can do outdoors. But as soon as it gets warmer, it's a bit difficult for me. Remember, I grew up on a farm. Mm. I'm a country boy. The forest is my thing. Uh, so I do miss nature a little bit, but I get that because we have a very long summer break. Mm. I'm two months in Switzerland in summer, which is really beautiful. Mm. Um, there are a lot of breaks and vacations which give us the opportunity to go somewhere where it's green. Amazing, yeah. So talking about Dubai in, in your industry, uh, you know, you mentioned regulation for your company, but there's also uh, the UAE and certain other countries have had to sort of comply with different, uh, different regulation globally to sort of change their reputation with regards to where money comes from and things like that. Uh, I should have the right terms of what the regulatory bodies are and what lists that they, they were added to, but where do you think they are now uh, in terms of what's happening on the ground versus how they're seen globally? Uh, yeah. no, that's a very good question. Okay, a lot is driven by the OECD. Um, what you have basically from a regulatory point of view, you have the US, you have Europe, and some other countries that um, are very much pushing into transparency, etc. Everything, as I initially mentioned, got kicked off after 2001 um, under the um, name of, um, you know, finding terrorists, etc. I today I believe that all these regulations and the transparency lead to probably not finding terrorists, but finding people who didn't pay their tax. Mm. And in today's world, we understand it's it's different. People have to pay their tax, have to be compliant, etc., which is, of course, in line with my, with, with, with my business. But um, when it comes to anti-money laundering regulations, this is the term that you actually are looking for. That's a very big thing. And the UAE has taken big steps. 
um, uh, and, and the AML regulations here, I have to say, are not very different from what we have in Europe, in Switzerland, in Asia, Singapore, Hong Kong. They are really, they are catching up very fast. And what I met here is, is high regulation. Okay, that's good to hear. Uh, interesting, yeah, and hopefully that reputation will go along with it across the region. Um, of course, a lot of wealth is attracted here, you know, because of the tax uh, benefits and things like that. But another thing about sort of wealth management, uh, you know, I, I'll be blunt, like the, the reputation of the industry sometimes is, isn't uh, that strong in terms of, you know, we get a lot of inbound calls, we don't know who to trust. There's a there's a whole knowledge piece that isn't there, you know, have you found that? Do people know how to sort of uh, understand your reputation and your business and your expertise versus the sort of cold calls that they get? And how educated is the, is the consumer about what's available in the market? Yeah, I think that's also a very good question. Um, and it goes back to what happens in Europe. Europe is completely overregulated. Uh, and, and the reason is, let's call it the retail client, and I don't mean that in a, in a negative way. It's just the, the, the client that's not so educated, etc. This client really needs protection. And I think that's true all over the world, also here in Dubai. Um, now, we are not so much in contact with these kind of clients. Our clients are really some of the super wealthy families around the world, and they don't need protection from an advisor point of view because they are number one already very educated. Number two, they have the best advisors around them. So we're almost always talking also to family lawyers. We include their tax lawyers, or we bring in other tax lawyers, etc. And then of course, for they also have to do their due diligence, and they always do. And if you look at us, you see we're regulated in so many countries. Um, there is a long history already. I mean, it's almost 20, 24 years now. Um, and uh, you don't find anything on the internet. It's so easy nowadays to, to find something negative. Mm. And you can look at the best banks in the world, the best investment houses in the world. You will find some negative things. Now, thank God we're not on the investment side because I think there it's really difficult to do a continuously good job. Uh, we're on the advisors, uh, advisory side and... Um, yeah, I think we're doing a good job there. Good, good to hear. Um, yeah, so interesting about, you know, the, the difference between, say, high net worth and, and, say, retail. You know, there are some statistics that show the number of, say, multimillionaires in Dubai and in the UAE is ever increasing. It's becoming one of those cities that has lots of sort of not just high net worth and not just this Dubai bling reputation, but that there's a lot of wealthy young individuals, business people, uh, who either have made their wealth in the region or have made their wealth elsewhere and, and run global companies and things from here. Do you see that as a customer base? Uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the, the main people that we meet today are young crypto entrepreneurs that made a lot of money. Um, many were smart enough to not only be focused on crypto. Um, of course, everybody got a hit, but many still have very solid wealth. Um, on the side and they need advice because their world has changed as well. Um, you know, uh, estate planning is becoming a topic. Some are getting a bit older now, have families, etc. So they have to think about these things. Then crypto they thought was the privacy protection tool to have. And now you realize, well, actually it's not because mm. you see the entire history. So once you know something at the beginning, you can actually follow it. 
and, and regulation kicks in. So, I mean, the governments want to know who is behind crypto. And so this is catching up. So they need advice and planning. Um, then we have a lot of entrepreneurs from Asia. I mean, obviously India, but also Pakistan, now China, big time. So a lot of Chinese entrepreneurs are not so happy with what's going on. They're trying to leave or are leaving and, and, and many are coming here. Um, but also some, some really smart European ones that are fed up with over-regulation. I mean, Switzerland is even more regulated. If you want to start a business now, it's so expensive that you can almost not afford starting. Here, despite the regulation that we already have, it's still affordable, especially labor is, is, is much more affordable than in, in Europe. And uh, yeah, and you know, there's also people who, who made wealth here. There's people who, it was sort of a, a city that, you know, because it's tax free, you could generate a lot of income, but they needed the right advice. And as you said, there's family planning and there's lots of things going on there now as well. There's also, in the last 20 years, some global companies have had their headquarters in the region here. That's sort of happening now into Riyadh. So there's a lot of uh, well paid professionals here who, you know, who would avail of these types of services as well and do they seek them out is that is that generally how it happens they're sort of looking for more advice in this area yeah uh, and i think you know it, it happens naturally now in a way i think what i see is that um the the uae has done a lot to bring good professionals here in the medical field in other fields um they have given good incentives for good professionals to come here but now as, as all these wealthy families are moving here, it becomes a natural magnet for good professionals to come here. And there was a lack, especially on the tax side, international taxation, well, was not a need in the past, now it is. So there is a lack of professionals, but they are coming now more and more. And the big international companies, they're coming here, they're setting up, bringing more professionals here, et cetera. And, and the, let's say the client, they are looking for these kind of advisors, absolutely. Definitely, interesting. And uh, I want to ask about Saudi Arabia before we finish and, and the region outlook, but just regards to, uh, uh, sorry, I lost my trail of thought, it doesn't always happen, uh, but yeah, really about, um, I'll ask, ask about Saudi now, sorry. So do you have to approach that market differently? If you were, you mentioned Abu Dhabi, but you know, there's a lot of um, opportunity in the business world in Saudi Arabia. Do you approach that market differently if you were to look to set up there? We will look to set up there, but I think for us it's still premature. So we came here now to the UAE, which we think is the right place for us to be right now. Um, once the DIFC Dubai is established, we'll look at Abu Dhabi. And, and then once Abu Dhabi is set up, and established, we will look at, at, uh, at Riyadh. A lot of what we do is, um, is based on opportunities. You know, if we meet the right person, etc., we could also basically change our plan and go a bit faster and start, start something earlier. But I also think that, uh, that Saudi Arabia is still very early. Um, I feel that culturally it's different from what I, what I realize here. Um, I believe they have a strong need for what we're doing mm. because many of the families still have nominee, handshake nominee agreements. You know, that, how that works is basically you have a portion of wealth, you give it to somebody else, and he says, it's mine, it's not his. Um, I remember it's yours, uh, but I will pretend it's mine. So it's protected if somebody attacks you. Mm. That's 
a nominee handshake agreement. Wow. Um, but but that it doesn't give you any protection because maybe the person forgets it's not his, or when he passes away, his heirs don't know, etc. And especially in the more regulated international world, this becomes very difficult. So there is a big challenge um, for these families to think in a different way because they always pick a person that they really trust and they have to now switch more to a professional setup. Um, but yeah, this, this transition will happen and we but, will be there. And you know, the, the setup, the common law and the, the setup of DIFC with say, King Abdullah Financial District, you know, that's how they're attracting financial institutions to Riyadh. So I'm sure that that would follow with companies like yours on the insurance side. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I remember what I was going to ask more about technology. Uh, so, you know, every sector sort of is going through disruption or has done, or these are the words around technology and investment and insurance is similar to that. Uh, what's your view on what's happening in the insurance tech space and how, how does it impact your business? Yeah, so tech is always a, a big thing in the financial industry and I think a lot of stuff can be done with technology and done much easier and much better identifying of people um, because this is a big thing, you know, with the anti-money laundering regulations so, um, or, or uh, processing documents, electronic signature, all these things. Many in industries or many, let's say, um, uh, professionals, banks, asset managers, insurance companies are not set up yet to do this in an easy way. But giving advice is very difficult to standardize. Um, I'm working on, a, on, a, on an app to set up a wealth protection plan, but I realize it's extremely complex mm. and I believe we can never replace the personal discussion because we need to feel what a wealthy person needs. And there's a lot of stuff that only comes out after some discussions, often they are not even aware of certain needs because they're not aware of certain regulations and so on. And so we really do need personal discussions. Hmm. Interesting, uh, fascinating. Uh, but of course you, knew, you use the softwares, but you're not necessarily going into pure sort of platform tech. You'll still keep the relationships and yes. build it that way. Uh, and interesting that, that that's what that, that level of, of clients is looking for. Um, lastly, uh, you know, it's the start of the year. What's the outlook for the group in your third year in, in Dubai in the region? What are you looking forward to and what can people expect? Okay, so yeah, we're looking to grow and we're growing very, very fast. What, what I need is I need additional advisors to join us. Um, the, that's our bottleneck, finding good qualified advisors with the same uh, ethical or values that we have. Um, of course, we can teach them a lot, but that's what we're looking for. Um, but just to grow substantially, my goal is that um, Dubai one day will be the biggest um, entity in our group. And that's pretty ambitious because Hong Kong and Singapore are running very fast. Mm. Um, but I'm sure it's doable. Amazing. Well, thanks for your time, Mark. I'm, I learned something this morning. I'm sure our listeners did. So uh, pleasure listening to you and we can check your website out and get in touch that way. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot.
So if you like that episode, there's a few other in the financial industry that we've interviewed in the past and also in the insurance. You might check out Ramsey from Petra Insurance. He talked a lot about the insurance industry and business as well. And there's been a few more recently on Financial Advisory. You'll be able to scroll down on any app or on the website. Uh, wherever you're listening or watching this podcast, this episode, you'll be able to check it out there. Thank you, as always, to Shahir, who, who produces and puts together the podcast. Uh, Ali, uh, who's editing and distributing uh, and managing all the video assets and audio as well. Thanks to all our producers and the team who distribute this across uh, video. We've uh, Bagad, who edits all these short vertical videos, which are very much in trend at the moment and puts them on Smashy Business and all over our social profiles. And Annika, who often writes up an article in Love in Dubai about the episode. So thank you to everyone who helps put together the Dubai But Works podcast. Uh, it's been growing a lot lately, uh, so thank you to new listeners. We appreciate it. If you do have any feedback, please do message us on Smashy TV or message me personally. Uh, and uh, if you have anyone in our industry that you'd like us to tackle and look more up, uh, we do sort of tend to book them out six to eight weeks in advance, but uh, please do recommend and we'll find time to uh, interview the people that you recommend. Thanks again and enjoy uh, the week, uh, the weekend, and we'll be back next week. Uh, Friday at 11 o'clock, it goes live on Smashing TV and the podcast comes out on Friday afternoons. 